Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. It's Tuesday night, 4 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 6 o'clock in Chicago, and it's 7 p.m. in New York City. Hello, everybody. I'm Mad Dog DeCipio. Welcome to What's the Buzz. Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman. How are you, kiddo? Doing good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm stoked up about tonight because I got a special guest. I got a couple special guests. Tonight. Absolutely, we do. I got I got Waze with me, and I got my daughter with me. My daughter come to see Papa work. <laughs> Yeah. She's a beautiful we girl. We have a very, very special show tonight. Uh, it's going to be a long one. Um, my daughter's going to stay with us for a little bit because this is kind of like her area. But uh, let me just uh, tell everybody that we have gotten a hell of a response from the last couple of shows we did. Yes. Uh, and we're going to have uh, more of those kind of shows. Uh, just to let you know, Thursday night of this week, Dr. Anthony Tobia will be back. We're going to talk about cult behavior and cult psychology and uh he'll have dr ellie diani with him and i'm looking forward to that amelia oh yes me too it's an exciting subject yeah it's gonna be a good one so listen tonight's topic is going to be we had to issue a disclaimer because you're going to see some uh, graphic footage and and photos tonight the subject is the murder of tupac shakur uh, and let me just tell you a little bit about this. I first became of, aware of Tupac Shakur after he had already passed. I had no idea who this young man was. And the more I researched him, the more I found out he was actually a really bright kid. I call him a kid because he was 25 when he died. Very young. Um, very young. Young guy. Really young guy. But very smart, but very confused. A convoluted young man. Because he was as angry as he was brilliant. And that made for a really dangerous combination. His loyalties, it seemed, were torn between thug life and legitimate uh, you know, um, uh, enterprises. I'll, I'll use that word. Uh, and, uh, and it was an entrepreneur for sure. But uh, he was uh, increasingly pulled into underground enterprises he wanted to do music on his terms and for for the most part he did but you don't exist in the rap world without making some strange bedfellows and we'll talk about some of those people tonight before we even begin the show amelia let's yes. us introduce everybody go around the horn who is um who's all with us tonight oh we have uh mr uh michael murphy retired Professional wrestler. Hello, how are you? And uh, thank you again for your service. Hello, as well. I'm all set for tonight. I'm yes. all set for tonight. 
There he goes. <laughs> I look at him. <laughs> you ain't right, man. You just ain't right. <laughs> and then we have um, a good friend, Michael Ways Ortiz, rapper himself. How are you? Haven't seen you in a while. Rap Ways is here tonight. And I'll let you in. <laughs> Ways is going to be invaluable in tonight's show because. He is the guy that's that he's in the trenches. Yes. Yeah, he's in the trenches, Murph. This guy's. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it, and to some degree, Murph, you can relate to him. Um, and my daughter, of course, Shelby yes. Myron. Hi, and your beautiful you? daughter. Don't forget, put beautiful in there. She's very beautiful on Absolutely. camera, but I'm looking across from her right now. So. <laughs> oh, I think she's beautiful. <laughs> She sure is. Absolutely. So tonight, the murder of Tupac Shakur. I'm going to go right to Waze on this one. Um, tell me, Waze, when did you become aware of the impact of Tupac Shakur on music? Well, I, I like to think that I was at those golden years that a, a, a average fan of hip hop is like really like geeked out and like super like fan about it, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you, you keep up with every little piece of news, you know, at that time I was buying every magazine that had a picture of any of my favorite artists, Tupac and Death Row and them at that time. And I was young and dumb enough to be living like in relation to the things they were talking about. So I would like to say it impact me directly on different aspects of my life, personally, psychologically, uh, in the physical form and spiritual, like on many levels. So it's fair to say that he his music certainly impacted you and inspired definitely. you for sure. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about the rap lifestyle. I don't want to get into that rabbit hole just yet. Uh, right. Shelby, I want to go to you on this one. I want to bring you up the uh, up front and 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 close up close and personal here with everybody. Um, look at your name or in lights there, baby. She'll be my my daughter. I'm so proud of this kid. Uh, when did you become aware of Tupac? Um, I think it was the beginning of my high school, high school years. Okay. My friend showed me Dear Mama by him. Mm -hmm. And when I listened to the lyrics, it really showed me how a man can feel so empowered by what a woman does for him. Because typically yeah. nowadays, you don't really see men appreciate women like that. And for a young kid to see that love that you should be giving a woman, it just showed me yeah. what is this kid really all about. We should also point out that he was um, raised by his mother and have and has a great deal of respect uh, for his mother and his, his aunts that were um, a part of the family uh, environment. Um, Tupac never spoke of his father um not in, in a positive way anyway. Um, we're going to talk a lot about that. That seems to influence the behavior in a, in a dramatic way. Uh, Amelia. Yes. Talk to me about uh, your in, your influence uh, from Tupac, your um, inspiration by his music. The, how did you come to even know who this guy was? Basically, my sister, she was the younger one, and so she used to listen to his music, and she used to say, sister, come listen to this, and, and uh, 
basically she was like, look, you know, he's very inspirational, you know, because like you, as Shelby was saying, you know, he loved his mother. He grew up around a lot of women and he learned how to respect women more that way. Mm-hmm. And he also wanted to have people understand that, you know, his generation and where he grew up, you know, a lot of his race, you know, that's what they knew. And he wanted to people to understand that they're not bad people. They were group yeah. people and where they grew up, that's what they knew. And that's how they had to live and what yeah. they had to live with. And they were respectful people, no matter where they grew up, they were still respecting people just because where you yeah. come from doesn't mean that you're going to be disrespectful. Absolutely. Um, I want to point out something here. I want to just show everybody a little something. Um, and th- just to give you some perspective, um, Tupac Shakur was fatally wounded in a Las Vegas shooting November, uh, I'm sorry, September 7th, 1996. Uh, he died from his injuries not right away. It was about a week later. Six or seven days later, he passed away at the age of 25. A lot of has been made of that fact. Um, the, the injuries that he sustained, of course, I should point out, he was in a car with record uh, founder, death row record founder, Suge Knight, who himself has a nefarious past. Certainly um, not a guy you wanted to cross for sure. But interestingly enough, when they fired these guns into the car, Suge Knight was only minimally injured while Tupac took the brunt of the hit. Now, if you've ever seen Suge Knight, he's a very large target. He's six foot five, almost 450 pounds. He's a very large human being, very large guy. My question, Mr. Murphy, I'm going to bring you front and center on the, uh, on the tactical and logistical aspect, and that's why you're here. Talk to me, Murph, about how a guy six foot five, 450 pounds, driving a vehicle, and you're going to see the vehicle shortly. How does he drive this vehicle um, and not get hit? In fact, they were at a standstill when he got shot. That's exactly why he didn't get hit. They were at a standstill. The people firing at the car or into the car were uh, sighted in on the one person. They were not. Shook Knight was not the intended hit. Uh, Tupac Shakur was. And that's where I'm going to stop you right there, Merck, but don't go anywhere. That is my contention. You will hear throughout tonight's program. I will make a case for conspiracy. I will also make the case that I think Tupac was set up for a hit. And I think Suge Knight was clearly in on it, but I'm not going to drop the big bomb on you yet. Wait till you hear who I think ordered the hit. Before we go there, let's take a look at... And I want you guys to really watch this. There's no sound on this video. Okay. You are looking at footage from the Las Vegas Hilton. You're, what you're looking at right now are a couple of guys, a couple of celebrities, leaving the Mike Tyson boxing match that night. 
there's a security guard talking to another well-known rapper. Here we go. You saw Tupac walk down that aisle, right? As you saw immediately what he did, and I want you to sh- I want to show you again. Watch what he does. He's walking down the aisle, and then he makes a quick left. So much so that it surprised his bodyguard. He was very well known for leaving the bodyguard behind. Now, that bodyguard was a, a very big guy. He's a professional bodybuilder, and they call him BB. And I want you to see this. Watch this carefully. Murphy, you particularly watch this carefully because I want to ask you some questions. Oh, that's right. Hold on. Okay. Tupac's now leaving the casino. Now you're going to see in slow motion. Take note of this, Ortiz. Take note. Watch what he's doing. His bodyguard has to... To chase him, literally chase him out the casino. I think Tupac already knew something was up. And that's why he left. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. I want to bring you in over here, uh, Waze. Uh, Talk to me about what you just saw. What the... Talk to me about what what you saw there that doesn't add up. What says a lot to me and always has is that still picture you showed, the facial expression on both Suge, who's looking away from that photo, and Tupac, who's looking dead at it. Yeah, I would hate to overthink it, but I feel like Suge looks like a little snaky in that photo, and Tupac looks a little concerned. But back to the video. Um... It could be, you know, as a street guy who wants to be and remain in that element, it's mm-hmm. easy to want to get away from your bodyguards and feel like you're okay no matter how you want to move throughout an event or a venue, no matter how big or how loud, large yeah. you are. We hold on to this idea that people still respect me at the ground level of the streets. And as much as that could be true, that also leaves you very vulnerable, but being is that he had important people overseeing him, somebody should have seen to it that no one leaves his side. He's the investment. So I don't care how hardcore he thinks he is, the investment's to be protected by any and all means. And we see that now through social media with our current artists and A-list. Yeah, for sure. Amelia, chime mm-hmm. in on that. Yeah, exactly. Just like he said, no matter how big you are, you follow your celebrity person. With every little step they take, you're you're like one little bitty tiny step behind them, a little by little. Even if they move away from you, you follow them like like yeah. you're on them, like like this, you know. Even if you're attached to them, no matter what. And that's what you're paid good money for. Yeah, you take yeah. a bullet for them, no matter what. Just like if they're the president of the United States. Period. Straight Shelby, up. you have been um, involved in watching this for the last a couple of weeks, and you. Um, you saw a, uh, a show that actually inspired tonight's episode. So what was it about the, uh, the film that you watched that was the giveaway for you? Yeah, do you think it was a, a setup? Do you think some 
someone had it in for him. What was the, what did you think? But this, you can actually get the first-person point of view. But with it, it's you see these two kids who really had nothing to do with any of this. And mm-hmm. Tupac, because as soon as they started clicking more and they started getting bigger, people just wanted to split them right apart. Yeah. It was all about West Coast, East Coast. Well, let's talk about that, Shelby. There seems to be this rivalry between Death Row Records and Bad Boy Records that's uh, owned and operated by Puff Daddy's Sean Combs. Um, what do you know about Puff Daddy? Puff Daddy is a very big producer. I know that he produced Bad Boy True. Mm-hmm. A lot of people actually did think that Puff Daddy was actually a conspirator into Biggie's death for the longest. Yeah. But personally, I really don't think so because as close as they were, I really don't think Puff would do that. Yeah. But it's just it's really well. He if you if you follow the narrative at Bad Boy Records, um. Biggie made a lot of money for Sean Combs. He made a lot of money for Bad Boy Records. Uh, Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G. Um, those guys made some big-time scratch, millions and millions of dollars for Puff Daddy. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense to me to be a complicitor in that. Um, I'm not so sure, however, about... Um, Tupac Shakur, because I really believe that the person responsible, in my opinion, for Tupac's death was Puff Daddy. That's the bomb I'm going to lay on you. I think Puff Daddy and Suge Knight had a devil's deal together. Think about it, and it makes sense, because Death Row Records was making money big money but nothing compared to bad boy records it's the difference in styles between a guy that wears a suit and a guy that wears brass knuckles who are you going to negotiate with the guy in the suit with the nice fountain pen or are you going to negotiate with the guy that's got brass knucks mm-hmm. mike murphy Murph, he can't hear us. Uh, you, you blacked out there for a second. What was the question? Uh, the question was, who are you going to do business with? The guy that's got brass knucks or a guy wearing a suit? Uh, that's kind of hard to say because at least the guy with the brass knuckles is going to be up, is going to be straight with you. The guy with the suit, you never know what he's got planned. Only a biker could say that. (laughs) (laughs) Only a biker could say that. Okay. Well, so you know, know, to to the fact of his uh, bodyguard 
Well, here's the, the thing about guard. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I've done bodyguarding. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question about that because you're going where I want you to go. Uh You've been bodyguard for uh, several people, you know, in your, the line of work you do. Okay. If you're with a subject and that subject makes a break to the left, shouldn't you have a heads up or isn't there some kind of like, um, I don't want to use the word some kind of equi- uh, etiquette that that the the uh, the subject is going supposed to let you know if I'm going to go left or right. Because Tupac was the kind of guy he went off. Uh, well, that's he went off often. And see, that's the hard thing. That's the one hard thing in bodyguarding. When you're with the person, you don't know what they're thinking. You have to anticipate yeah. what they're thinking, what they're going to do. Uh, so when a celebrity of that caliber that you're bodyguarding, if he decides, hey, I'm going to go right instead of go left, you've got to try and anticipate that. But when you're in a crowd that, that big, your main objective as the bodyguard is to keep the crowd away from him. If he comes off and goes to the left and you're not ready for it, uh, and that's that, exactly that kind of what happened. happened. Michael, that's exactly what happened. Tupac was walking with his bodyguard. He takes a sharp left. He leaves the bodyguard. The bodyguard has to go after him. In the meantime, because he took off on his own, now he's got the public following him, too. Let's take a look at this right. video. East Coast, East Coast is, top rappers have been shot and killed. Tupac's like supposed that. to perform at the club that night in a dark SS and Paul pulls up alongside, shoots Biggie several times, and he dies on the way to the hospital. So now there's blood on the ground, and then an unexpected thing takes place. They had to resurrect the case and have us take a new look at it and see if we've missed anything. You believe behind all of this is Puffy. He knew that Suge Knight was trying to hunt him down. He turned to the streets and said, can you guys handle this for me? And now they're going to go and retaliate to hunt down Tupac. The Cadillac pulls up, he leans out and shoots and ultimately kills Tupac. Are you guys following what he's saying? Yeah. Are you all following what he's saying? Because it's critical. It's absolutely critical. We're going to talk about it a lot. Tupac Shakur. Why? Okay. I want to. I want you to watch something, particularly Amelia mm-hmm. and Waze. I want you to watch this. Shelby, take a look at this video. This has no sound to it. Okay. You're looking at. Let me set this up so everybody understands. You're looking at Tupac. They're leaving the fight in Las Vegas. He's clowning around with a guy. He's smiling. Very, very quickly, his smile turns into something very different. Watch this. He goes after a guy, and they fight in the lobby, and there's kicking and punching, and the crowd is gathered around. And now he leaves the bodyguard behind. Here he goes. Now he's leaving the casino. He gets in the car, and that's where everything takes a header. Okay. 
Waze, tell me what you just saw. Uh, he definitely saw something that took his attention totally off of the good time he was having and had him in what we call now uh, on demon time. But for him to, again, when you're a bodyguard, like, I don't know, you got to, I don't know. Just, I, I look at it like if I was protecting my child, he's not going to get no further than arm's reach based on right. any quick reaction. I'm going to be just that much quicker in reaction. Yeah, absolutely. I want you to take a listen. Tupac was a really intelligent kid. I want you to listen to this. Are you angry with what you see society is about? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm extremely angry, confused. You know, um, a lot of the times that I sat up in court, I couldn't defend myself. You know what I'm saying? And it was. It wasn't like the things they were saying about me were beyond my comprehension, or. Um, the things that I could say weren't going to help my case. But because, I mean, I was, it's like being exiled, you know, from, from society. And that's how I feel. And this whole, um, the anger comes from, I'm tired of waiting for my past to get into society. All I ever wanted to do was make um, me and everybody around me feel more comfortable about where we were. You know what I'm saying? About the places that we stay. Where we, this is our home base. Let's build it up. Let's be happy about where we come from. You know what I'm saying? Instead of trying to assimilate and um, get a pass key to where they at. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that everything needs to be separate, but we got to find pride in ourselves. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and once you get the pride, like, damn near two seconds after the pride comes anger. If you heard what he said... He's talking out of both sides of his mouth, but he's doing it brilliantly. That's masterful speaking because he's telling you, I want a better place for my people, but I don't want my people to sell out. Whatever the fuck sell out means, okay? If it means making a million dollars a year, that's, that's selling out. How do you say that to a guy that's making 10 million a year? You know, there's some kind of gang culture here that I don't understand. So, Waze, you got to fill me in on what he's talking about here. And why the anger when he should be smiling? Because he's like a friggin' multi-billionaire. Well, there's, there's a broken child inside of Tupac. That's what I want to get at. Like, when you look, when you see him talking like that, he's being sincere. He's meaning what he says, and he was he was a product of like the Panther Party and all of that. So that whole you know that angry black man thing has like been instilled in him from a young age. Now he wants to entertain. Now you want to pretty much dance with the powers that be that are total opposite what you kind of stood for at a young age. And I struggle with that. And I think everybody who comes from what we call the streets or just like that kind of environment. You, you know you're getting into a, a, a different place and you're going to have to do things for that mighty dollar that we don't have back at home, but somebody right. has to take that chance. Well, that's why you become who you become, to make a better life, to make the big bucks, right? Well, by the time, by the time Tupac became that big, he was what I call a manufactured gangster. So they really took I the whole. I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely, I cannot argue with that. They took the whole idea. They sold our American youth, our own fucking trash, right back to us. Yeah. And as as somebody who comes from that, who I feel like now my mindset is totally beyond that. I don't hold on to these 
pointless ideas, keeping it real. Oh, I ain't no snitch. I don't fuck with 12. Like all of that are it's stupid fucking ideas that that when we come from nothing, these ideas are all the fuck we got. When you get into when when you become something and have something now, all these things like you see them different because they kind of benefit you now. But you look back at the people and the ties you that bind you that make you feel like I still have to save face with the trash I come from, not as in people, but experiences and opportunities being the trash that we come from, these stupid ideas keep us, make us feel like we owe something to that. That's a really interesting observation. Take a listen to this, you guys. Killing each other because we killing ourselves. We're not when a man, when another man. I know I've been in a position. It don't. It's, not, it's out of our control. It's, not it's like exactly what Wade just talked about. You know what I'm saying? It's that it's that situation when you got we we are. Li- this is exactly what Wade just talked about, and that's why I wanted to show you this because you could not set it any more perfect. It's brilliant. Living in a war zone. It's not as easy as these people are making us think that they just got some criminal ass black kids with guns. It is not like that. We live in hell. We live in the gutter. We got us stacked up 80 deep in one building. You know, by the time you get out your house, you strapped to protect yourself because you living in the same community that the police is carrying rifles and riot gear. Same. They need them. Right. Ri- excuse my language. I'm so sorry. The same reasons they need the riot hat, the riot jacket, the flak jacket, the double vest, the nine millimeter glocks with extra bullets, the tear gas, the mace, all that. Who do you think the police is using that against? Dogs? So we fighting the same villains that they fight in the street. But instead of them seeing us fighting villains in the street, we all villains. Is your generation the one that is picking up for where the Panthers left off saying, all right, enough is enough. The generation before us forgot about the fight. We're picking it back up. Not only forgot about the fight, forgot about us. Do you hear what he said? Not only did they forget about the fight, they forgot about us. I got to ask you ways to jump back in on that one. Um, it is, It's a mindset that can be overcome. But when you're as young as he was, going through the things we go through at early ages, that mm-hmm. some people who... You know, it's all the same hurt, so we all go through it, it, you know. But, uh, you know, sometimes you see no light at no end of no tunnel. And and that's when it becomes like you're living out of survival, not out of love. You know what I mean? And Tupac and a lot of us that come from that are beings of love. A lot of like, you know, a lot of his community is very loving and kind. There's a big like the media portrays it a certain way. Mm-hmm. The music that I love so dearly doesn't help. But at the end of the day, they're human and there's like everyone's like we all think and want the same things. But when it feels like, hey, my brother gets more privileged than I, but we're both children of the same parents, it, it, it gets yeah. unfair. And then you stop being polite about it. Then you start being upset about it. Then, yeah. you, then you, lash, you lash out a little bit more. Mike Murphy, I'm going to bring you in over here. Um, there's a a kindred spirit between the world that Tupac is talking about and the world that you were once a part of, the biker clubs. It's the us against the world mentality is what he's talking about. Explain that to me and to people who don't understand that. I'd like to say I agree with you with the kindredship. Unfortunately, I don't 
said, uh, as far as the biker club world, you know, and I guess there is some, you know, we look out for our own, we take care of our own. Well, that's the kindred spirit I'm talking about. That's exactly the kindred spirit I'm talking about. That's what he was just talking about. Okay. Uh, yeah. As far as the other things, like the pictures and the videos, I can't say anything about them because I didn't see them. Right. Okay. Amelia, talk uh-huh. to me. Yeah. I mean, just like Mike was talking about, I mean, we all probably grew up in different types of uh, neighborhoods, but just because, you know, he grew up in that type of neighborhood and I grew up in a different type of neighborhood, you know, I'm still going to be friends with them. They're just, mm-hmm. they're, they might be different people, but they're this. We're the same people. We're all going to yeah. get along. We're all going to be the same. You know, I grew up that way. My parents didn't teach me. Oh, that that person grew up from that neighborhood. Don't talk to them. Uh, my parents grew up. Mm-hmm. We grew up with. You're going to talk to everybody, no matter what neighborhood they grew up with. You're all one people. Absolutely. You know, Shelby. Never was like that. Before I let you go, my dear daughter, because I know you have to leave me in about thirty seconds. No. Give me your uh, your insight on what we're talking about tonight. He was sitting there telling her what he should be doing, telling her that, you know, we have no food in the house. We have no milk. I had to go out and steal for my sister. Like, yeah. Inside, there really was this broken child who didn't even get to heal himself because yeah. he was so young when he died. So it really is a shame that that broken child never got to heal himself before. Yeah, interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, sweetie, that thank you for joining me tonight. It's nice to meet you, sweetie. Gotta say, say goodbye to my daughter, everybody. Bye. She'll be on her on. Coming to you live from the basement of the house. <laughs> <laughs> good night, sweetie. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Okay. I love that kid. She's my daughter. <laughs> She's beautiful. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's just, just us chickens here tonight. Um <laughs> It's a really interesting case. I'm gonna now we're gonna get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of this case. So Tupac Shakur was fatally wounded in Las Vegas on September 7th, 1996. He died uh, six or seven days later from his injuries. He was 25. Earlier that night, he watched a Mike Tyson fight at the MGM Grand along with Suge Knight. Suge Knight was involved in a fight with. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, with Suge Knight. And Tupac was involved in a fight that evening involving a young guy named Orlando Baby Lane Anderson, part of the uh, uh, the group called the Crips. It should be noted that Suge Knight is associated with the Bloods. They are a, a rival gang. They have chapters all over the country. I think Mike Murphy may know a thing or two about both of these guys. So talk to me about the blood that exists between the Crips and the Bloods, Murph. Uh, it's been a war that's been going on, or, or a rivalry that's been going on for years. Uh, I know a lot of both sides were uh, pissed off when uh, Snoop Dogg and Tupac started working together because I believe one was Bloods, one was Crips. 
uh, where they kind of tied together to make music to show the world, hey, you know, we don't have to be killing each other all the time. We can, you know, we can work together. And And that's what I was trying to. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get you to, to bring out before, Murph, that when it comes to money, does it really matter if it's green? The money's green. If everybody can benefit, then, you know, why kill each other over music? I mean, this is, we're talking about music. Exactly. Okay? Music's music. This is what we're talking about, music. Nobody's curing cancer here, Okay. Nobody is winning the Nobel Peace Prize. We're talking about music. That's the essence of what we're talking about. It's music. Rival companies and rival producers. I still believe, and I believe it now and I believe it then, that Puff Daddy made a devil's deal with Suge Knight to have Tupac taken out. Because he stood to make more money with Tupac dead than alive. Think about the the merchandising, the record sales, the music that had already been recorded sitting in in the the, uh, studio vault. He had years worth of music pushed away. Do you realize that they're even today... In 2022, they're still releasing unheard Tupac music that's never been heard before. That's how much music these people recorded. This kid was recording all the time. Go ahead, Murph. Uh, Well, what what I was going to say was, strangely enough, the night before... Tupac was killed or shot. He was on a plane with Snoop and uh, Suge Knight. They were coming back from uh, a recording session somewhere, and Tupac was. Uh, and in Snoop's own words, he could tell that Pac was not happy with him because I think a question had come up about Tupac possibly, or excuse me, Snoop possibly doing music with Biggie. And he said, yeah, I do music with him. And Tupac took that, might have taken that the wrong way. The whole night before they went, he didn't talk to him on the plane. No, he took offense to it. And uh, so, Waze, talk to me about that. I just think the dynamic of, like, business versus personal just isn't understood by the artist himself like it is the overseers, like somebody like Suge Knight. Right. So you know to do to work with somebody on a product for profit you can put things aside like it, there's so much to be gained and so like much to be lost to right. not do that so i think snoop's understanding was i've been in this game long enough to understand a little bit of the business side and that would be a great business move and would shut mm-hmm. this whole east coast west coast thing down by doing so uh tupac had such a I think uh, he felt so loyal to them because they got him out of jail on like a contract that I heard was written on toilet paper. I just feel like he was so in debt to Suge that and 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 you know uh, when people put a lot of money in front of your face, you might do some things outside of yourself. 
you might stretch yourself a little bit. And I think Tupac was kind of just stretching himself as a human being, like his loyalty to something that was street when it was really should have been about business. Well, in business, people compromise their loyalties all the time. Why Very is it? True. Why is it any different in rap? And let me ask you another question, because that that's one question I want you to answer. The other question is, and just tell me if I'm like uh, out of line here or whatever. But was Tupac's indignation genuine, or was it put on for the public? Was he like? trying to be a hood or was he from the hood talk to me about this guy because he sounded incredibly articulate in some of these videos as a lot of guys are that are from the hood so i say that to say i don't think even though he saw a lot of darkness he was raised in a loving environment he talks about his mothers and his aunts all the time raised by a lot of women and he had probably a lot of positive role models with the Panther Party family and friends that his mother kept around. Right. I And then I mentioned him being a manufactured gangster. Uh, fun fact, tell me if I'm wrong, the guy who discovered him, Shock G, graduated from my hometown of Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. I say that to say when he was with Shock, I say that to represent Tampa, but I also say that to say when he was with Shock G, the things he were doing was far from gangster music. When he got with Suge Knight, who had a gangster image, Death Row had a gangster image, Snoop Dogg, biggest artist in the world, well-known crit, gangster image, Tupac, they, I think they marketed the, the heck out of his angry side and his passionate side and made it about, you know, gangster stuff, which I don't really think Tupac was about at his heart. Interesting. Amelia, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think he's right because, I mean, a lot of people know how to interact around different people. I mean, like when you're around like social lights, you'll have to back through, act that way. When you're around uh, like maybe country folk, that's how you want to act around. When you're around rich people, that's how you'll want to interact and you, that's how you would like to speak. Do you think that Tupac was a product of his environment or was yes. he a chameleon? I think that's a, a chameleon because that's how whenever he was around gangster people, that's how he would act. Whenever he was around his mother, he'd act like the loving son. And when like he... When the things that when the things that started happening to him when he got with Death Row started coming at him, mm -hmm. I saw I saw more pain, like mm -hmm. uh, like like hurt, like how could the world do this to me? Yeah, and everything was lashing out. If he was really as cutthroat as his image, he'd have been more like Suge Knight, yes. who I hear used to bully his way through life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. Take a look at this, you guys world is such a um and when i say this world i mean it i don't mean in an ideal sense i mean in uh, every day every little thing you do it's such a gimme 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 everybody back off you know everybody's like you taught that from school everywhere big business if you want to be successful you want to be like trump gimme 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 push 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 step 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 crush 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 that's how it all is and it's like nobody ever stopped just you know i feel like Instead of us just being like, slavery's bad, slavery's bad, bad whitey, bad whitey. I mean, all right, let's stop that. And everybody's smart enough to know that, I mean, we've been slighted and we want ours. And I don't mean by like uh, ours, 40 acres and a mule, because we're past that. 
but we need help. I mean, for us to be on our own two feet, us meaning youth or us meaning black people, whatever you want to take it for. For us to be on our own two feet, we do need help because we have been here. We have been a good friend. If you want to make it a relationship type thing, we have been there and now we deserve our payback. It's like you got a friend that you don't never look out for. You know, you dressed up in jewels. Now America's got jewels and they got, they paid and everything and they lending money to everybody except us. And it's like, you know, everybody need a little help on, on their way to being, you know, self-reliant. You know what I'm saying? That's the whole thing about the album, about the Special Olympics. Everybody need a little something and they to be independent. That spoke volumes to me when I watched that. Because I thought to myself, you hypocrite. You're a guy that's making tens of millions of dollars. You have the ability to help everybody you want to help. And he's talking about we need help or getting on our feet. Are you fucking kidding me? You fucking hypocrite. And that's when I lost respect for Tupac Shakur. Let's watch this. His mother felt that the proper thing for him, for her, is to let him go. And that feeling, bro, you know what I mean? That was one of the worst things one of the worst news that I ever heard that he's no longer with us. How bad was Tupac's condition when he was in the hospital? When I seen him, cause I was able to go into the room, it was bad. But you know, before that, his mom, his mother, his sister kept saying, he's good. You know, they very strong, especially his mother. She a strong person, optimistic, never said anything negative. Even when her son was in a, the hospital dying, fighting for his life. Everybody she's seen, she hugs, she smiled. So when we, when I got there and I said, how was Pop? She was like, he's, he's okay, baby, he's gonna be fine. When I went into the room, he was unconscious and he had all these tubes down his throat. I couldn't take it. I ran out the whole, I ran out the room. Like, I like rushed out the room, like in tears, you know? So what made her pull the plug? I think she got tired of, you know what I mean? Um, there was so many, you know, they kept doing surgeries, operating on Pac. You know, she would come out again and she like, they just removed his lung. They removed his fingers. And um, it was difficult. She just felt like um, the best thing for her to do was to pull it. You know, and after that, she was like, I know my son. My son is very prideful. That's the first time I'd ever, and I read a lot of stuff about this. That's the first time I ever heard anybody say that they removed his finger and his lungs. You guys know anything about that, Amelia? I've never heard about that. I just heard about the lung. When I watched back the documentary, I just heard about the lung. Yeah, I thought I heard something about the lung. Never heard a darn thing about mm -hmm. his finger and can't quite see where that makes any sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's he's the only person that's ever referenced the doctor's taking Tupac's finger off. And I thought, why would they take his finger off? Right. What would that have to do? The man was shot in the chest and in the face and all over the place here. Why would you take his finger off? I can, I can understand taking a punctured lung out. Okay, because, yep. you know, they can fix that. Yeah. But I don't get the whole finger thing well let's talk a, a little bit about this i mean the only thing for the finger would be for fingerprints right yeah um earlier in that night they watched of course they watched the mike tyson fight we saw a video of that 
They came out of the casino. They run into a guy named Orlando Baby Lane Anderson. Orlando Baby Lane Anderson was a member of the Southside L.A. Crips. Death Row Records found that Suge Knight was affiliated with the rival blood gang. Now, Murphy, are they called gangs or clubs? What are we, what are we using here? Gang. Gangs. We're okay. gangs. Tupac Shakur, sitting in the passenger side of the car, was hit three times. One striking his hip, the other his right hand, and the fatal wound of his chest. He was struck point blank in the chest. According to the witness, Shakur attempted to jump into the back seat of the car. Listen to what I'm going to tell you guys, because this is where it gets dicey. He attempts it, and there's video footage of it, too. I'm not going to show that to you, because it's graphic. He attempts to jump into the back seat of the car while he was being shot. But Suge Knight, the driver of the car grabs him and pulls him back to the passenger seat in the front. Two tires were also punctured out. They were shot out in the gunfire. Suge Knight suffered only a minor wound to his head or neck. He's actually got shot right below the ear. But, again, he's a big man, a thick guy, thick bones, and it didn't penetrate as deep as it could have. I'm sure he was grateful. After the gunfire ceased, Knight turns to Tupac and says, Are you okay, Pac? Tupac, after seeing the blood on Suge Knight's head, says, Me, question mark, you're the one shot in the motherfucking head, unquote. And that's exactly what he said. The other thing, the police officer on the scene went up to Suge. And asked him who shot. He said, didn't see anything. Keep in mind, there are at least a hundred videos, cell phone videos, surveillance camera videos from the MGM plus all the casinos in the area. You're going to tell me that not one camera picked up the assailant? The same police officer walks around to, Shug, uh, to uh, Tupac Shakur's side of the car. He says, Tupac, who shot you? Tupac said to him, and I quote, fuck you. That's what he said. He's dying, and he says, fuck you. Now, either he's not going to give it up, or he's going down to his death in one final blaze of glory. I don't know which it is, brave, nobility, or stupid. So... On September, in September 2018, three years after running over and killing an associate in Compton, Knight was jailed for manslaughter for 28 years. It is in his imprisonment that the turning point was struck. Because his power is now diminished, those who once worked for him and feared him felt they could free, they could, they were free to speak. They could speak freer without any um, um, change on them. Yeah, reper yeah, exactly. Repercussions. For sure. Absolutely. So now, go back to um, Murph on this one. So, Murphy, what's not ringing true to you here? 
Well, one that there's no uh, no cameras anywhere that picked it up. That you know that doesn't sound right. Um, as far as Tupac yeah. telling the cop "fuck you" and Shook Knight saying, "Oh, I didn't see anything," that that's just street rule right there. You, you confronted by the cops, you don't talk, even if you knew who did it, you didn't say anything. Jimmy Thunder from from Down Under says, Suge Knight was a childhood friend of Orlando Anderson's Uncle Keefe D. That's absolutely true. Keefe D was an interesting character. Um, Waze, what do you know about Keefe D and Orlando Anderson? I don't know much other than what the documentaries talk about. You know, the gang members, uh that's about all I really recall. Rival gang member. They made it really seem like this was just like, you know, a street issue yeah. between two guys. They're calling him Orlando Baby Lane Anderson. Um, I tried to find out where he got the name Baby Lane from, uh, and it's it's hard to come by. There's varying accounts of how he got it. But so now we're going to talk about one more thing here, and then. Uh, would you characterize yourself as somebody who was very angry before you went to prison? Nah, I thought I was charming. I just, then why were you always getting in all these altercations? I mean, something was going on. I have spirit. Spirit. I have so much spirit, man, where no one else would do things, I would do it. Well, a lot of people have spirit, but they don't. Okay, Waze, let me ask you a question. He she says to him, why do you do these things? He says, I have spirit. Is it spirit or is he just trying to make a name for himself? And is that something you do on the street? Um, I think a lot of this now, you got to remember there's a camera in his face and he took a lot of acting classes. So I think a lot of things were really just geared towards feeding the idea of the image at this point. I mean, the bandana okay. around his head. Like image becomes so important once you're in this game as deep as they were. And yeah. I had to learn that, like, you know, when people wanted me to dress and act and talk a certain yeah. way and even answer certain questions. Let me so tell you how far back that goes. You're absolutely right. 1972. Elvis Presley gave a, a press conference in Madison Square Garden. A reporter asked him, Mr. Presley. What about your image as a shy, humble country boy? And he stands up and he's loaded with jewelry and he's loaded. He's got a big gold belt on and he's got all kinds of the finest of the best. Right. And he says, lady, the image is one thing. The human being is another. And it's very hard to live up to an image. I think Tupac Shakur found out just how hard it was to live up to an image. spirit, but they don't... Because they're smart and immature, and I was immature before. So my spirit was very... was handled in an immature manner. I just let it run. Now I'm, I'm a little bit more mature, and I'm going to get even more mature with time. So now I'm more mature, I can go. I know I want to do that. This is what I would do, but how, I ain't going to do it. How would you characterize yourself as... How would you characterize yourself in the past? What does immature mean to I was you? immature... Immature. I, I did things without thinking. My actions came before thought. And sometimes maybe words too. And all my words came before <laughs> thought. Things that I did, things I said. There's so many things I want to take back. Um, like what? 
it's gone now, so I can't take it back. But um, I wish I could have, but I can't now. But um, because you are sort of known for having a big mouth. Yeah. No offense. I am though, and I don't mind either. I, and I don't, I don't, I know people feel like that, but I don't care. You know what I mean? This, this is how I feel. And then I'm in the business, right? So I hate hearing other people's thoughts. Like I'll be watching something. She says to him, you're known for having a big mouth, no offense. He says, I know. And I'll be like, what a, he's lying. He know he doesn't feel like that. So that made me go out. When I finally got my shot to go on the camera, it made me go out there and say everything I really wanted to say, instead of being like politically correct or thinking about how this would hurt people or thinking about how this would come out. I just was to say things just because I knew no one says that. And that goes to what Waze was talking about. Exactly what you were talking about. That's crazy. Put it out there. It's exactly. I'm telling you, I, I have scoured this guy's uh, most controversial statements, and there were a lot. Trust me. I gathered what I thought were the best of the best, but brother, I haven't even scratched the surface of this shit. Yeah. Okay, one more thing we're going to do, and then we're going to talk about all of this stuff. I have to warn people, and just, I have to do this legally. Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Got a 25-year-old man cut down in the prime of his life. Not he hadn't even reached the prime of his life. 25 years old. Was it worth it? I don't know. Graphic stuff. I wanted to show people that. If you thought that was graphic, I assure you. I absolutely assure you, the video of the actual shooting was far more graphic. Watching somebody get killed in front of you is not a pleasant thing to, to behold. The other thing you saw in that video was the autopsy report. Go online and read it sometime. It's something very wrong about that autopsy report. And uh, so, and I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but it's almost as if somebody's telling somebody else what to write down. You know what I'm talking about, Waze? Oh, yeah. Are you yeah, familiar of course. with the... Talk to me, brother. 
Well, I think we're all adults here and we all have uh, exercised our, our BS meter to the point to where we recognize it, whether it's on paper, fresh out of someone's mouth or something we're watching. We, we can, re- you know, we're all smart people here. We can read through some, some BS, right? Right. It's a lot of BS, brother. <laughs> it's a lot of BS. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I trust your, uh, your judgment. And I'll definitely check it out for myself. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just something very, very amiss about it. And Angelo, it's not the first time that somebody's put something on an autopsy that <laughs> report that. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah, we've heard sure. we've heard about that throughout all COVID nineteen. Right. Oh God, now, absolutely. And the idea, the idea of his tires being shot out now, maybe if they like hit the curb and the front tire got put out. I've never heard of a hit in these streets where somebody was to shoot the tires. All you know what I mean? Tires. Like that's that's quite tactical. If someone's shooting out the tires so they can't go nowhere, so the hit happens. And that's my point. And that's why I think this was a hit. Mike Murphy agrees with me. He's shaking his head yes. Yes. Right, Murph? Yeah. This and that, that, that brings a... questions too. <laughs> go ahead, Mike. This was a hit set up, and I and the the spot where the car had the tires blown out, perfectly in a position to where there was possibly no cameras to see it. Absolutely, <clears throat> it was set up from beginning to end. This was orchestrated. This was orchestrated like a. Almost like what you would call Mike Murphy a coup d'état. This was almost this was almost uh, a coup yeah. d'état because it was they so knew. tactical, so precise, so precision that it was almost done with military precision, mil- almost military expertise. Right. We have a friend on this show named Stephen Plim. Stephen Plim was four cars behind Tupac Shakur that night. Okay? Four cars behind him and saw nothing. I want you to think about that. Four cars behind him and saw nothing. That's how tactical this hit was. This was like a mafia hit. They disabled the car like Waze said. They disabled the tire. They've got everything in the position like Mike Murphy said. They laid their target. They laid in wait when they had an opening because everybody knows that Tupac loved to drive with the window down. Everybody knew that. And he was always, you know him, he said it himself. He's got a big mouth. You know? There, there is video, you can see it. Had Tupac hanging out the window, flipping people off the finger, you know? Telling people, you know, uh, I love you, fuck you. Oh, I mean, this is the kind of shit that came out of his mouth. I love you and fuck you in the same breath. Okay? I, I don't understand that. I'm old. I will admit freely. I'm old. I don't get it. Okay, but there's got to be some kind of 
street etiquette to explain this to me. And if anybody wants to take the time to do it, I'm open. Please talk to me. Young shit, dumb shit. End of explanation. There you go. <laughs> there you go. They must have had it perfectly planned, like Michael, Mike Murphy was saying, because they had to drive to a certain point. And they said, you know, we're going to have you get right here, shoot the tires. And that explains why Frank Alexander, all of a sudden, his bodyguard decided, oh, I'm going to go with the girlfriend. I'm going to ride in her car instead. And then all of a yeah. sudden, uh, why would he pull him back into the front seat, say, no, this is going to be a hit, so you're going to have to get up front with me. That bothers me, too. Right what there. bothers me, and you, you brought something up, what bothers me mm-hmm. uh, about this is that they fingered Orlando Baby Lane Anderson as the trigger man. Right. Despite the fact, fact, by the mm-hmm. way, that he did not have a gun in his possession, mm-hmm. could not own a gun, exactly. no gun was found on his person. Uh-uh. Despite this, they brought him in and charged him as the finger, as the trigger guy. Right. How do you do that? How do you do that, Murph? If you can explain to me, like how that works, how do you bring a guy in uh, well, as the trigger was- man when he doesn't didn't have a gun? I think that would have been. I think I would have had that fall guy, if you will, set up as part of the uh, as part of the whole thing. What I'm surprised about is that when they brought him in, nobody did a nitrate test. No. 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 A nitrate test is a nitrate. Good, Murph. A nitrate test is a test uh, that they check for uh, gunpowder. Right. Where, because when you fire a weapon, you get blowback. And that lands on your clothes. It lands on your skin. And you can wash your hands all you want, but it'll still be there. So they do a nitrate test and it'll show up where the gunpowder was. Yeah, gunpowder is not done. coming off your hands. You can't nope. use soap and water to get gunpowder residue off you. It will. You have to have an acidic solution. You need acetone, or you, yeah, or or something like that. That's the only way it's coming off. So this is the um. This is it. This is the the case of Tupac Shakur. So where where. Are we any further than when we started? No, but I, I have a funny, it's funny that you brought up Puff Daddy, Puff Daddy Combs, because I had him written down on my list too as one I of the suspects. Think, uh, here's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think, as I said, Suge Knight mm-hmm. and, and Sean Puff Daddy Combs, yeah. I think they, they made a deal. Yeah. I think I had him they written flew down too. out. I think the shooter was from New York. Mm-hmm. I think he was a bad boy. One of you know one of Sean Combs' bad boy guys. Mm-hmm. He was clearly he had to clearly be a New York rapper. Yes, definitely East Coast. But Suge Knight, because he's a businessman, mm-hmm. doesn't care East Coast West Coast. He cares yeah. about what color is my fucking money. Yeah, he wants that money. Okay, 
Yes. That's the difference between Suge Knight and other. And I'll give Suge Knight that much. Mm-hmm. All he cared about was the money. Oh, absolutely. But Suge Knight also had a ridiculous fucking temper and killed the guy by running him over not once but four times with his car. That's why he's doing 30 years in jail right now. Mm-hmm. So and I'll tell you rumor what. Is, yeah, go ahead, Murph. Talk to me, brother. Rumor is that he uh, actually took Vanilla Ice and hung him out by his ankles over a balcony at a hotel. That story never happened. I actually know that story. That story never happened. Um, it happened, but it didn't happen to Vanilla Ice. They took a, oh, okay. um, yeah. I know the story. Um, the story, the rumor was that it was Vanilla Ice. It was not. It was a wise, another young white wannabe rapper, you know, Um they used to use a name. I'm not going. It's it's the N word with a W in front of it. They could used to call oh, them yeah. niggers. Yeah. And and Waze knows what I'm fucking talking about. I I hate the, the either. I I don't like the N word or the W word. Okay, but here's I grew the up thing. in a time where everyone was talking, saying that crazy shit. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, here's the thing. If black people want white people to stop using the N-word, then black people need to stop using the N-word. You understand? It's just that simple. I don't care if it's a er or a uh. The N with a er or the N with a uh. It don't make any difference to me. It's a bad word. Don't use it. Exactly. If you stop using it, white folks will stop using it. Well, most white yes. folks anyway. Anyway, do you also know who had a lot of power over Tupac's career? Yeah, there were a couple of people. uh, Well, his girlfriend, Jada Pinkett, at the time. Well, there is some speculation again, a highly credible speculation that they were for show only. That's what we hear. It was for show only. Listen, you could speculate Tupac's whole death was all for show only. That's a whole other thing. That, but that's exactly <laughs> the point. Mm-hmm. That may have been what got him killed. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about, Wings. That you're going right there. Yes. Yeah. You're going right there. That's what may have taken him down. Because you know, look, you can you you can't live. That kind of life and expect to live to be 70 or 80 years old. I want to read you a statistic. I actually wrote this down. This is true. And if you think I'm kidding, go on Google and search it. Since 1992, more than a thousand rappers have been murdered. Yes. All of them under the age of 30 all of them the oldest being 27 wow think about that oh i have think about that and these labels how does that affect talk to me ways how does that affect you 
uh, obviously these labels make huge profit with their post. Uh, what do they call it? Like they're after they've died music. Uh, I'm sure there's huge post more. I'm sure there's big fusses and fights over who owns what rights to what pieces of, of, of work. I think that happened with uh Suge and Tupac's mom, where they went to like court war over like royalty ownership and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And now, unless you get these artists in these dummy deals, which a lot of times is the only way into the game, and you get them hooked on something that they're going to be in debt for anyway, just for a little bit of pocket change and some popularity. Yeah. Now, now you you own everything they ever touch. So whether they die or not, you know, you're gonna the the you being the label owns everything. Well, let me ask you a question, Ways. Do you write your own music? Definitely. The lyrics, yes, music? I, 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 I purchase beats from producers, but I write word for word my my music. My Is your music copyrighted? Yes. Okay. Do you have a publishing house? Yeah, I go through BMI. Okay. From, Let yeah. me tell you what the deal was with Tupac Shakur and Suge Knight. Uh huh. The deal was simple. Suge got everything. Tupac got what what amounts to an allowance. He gave him, I mean, he had money, big, you know, big money, but not the kind of money Suge was making. Suge Knight was almost a billionaire. You people realize that that he was a fucking billionaire, but acting like a street thug. This is the kind of hypocrisy I'm talking about. You're talking about a guy that's. You know, saying, screw the man, fuck the man, but he is the man. He's the one making the billions. Yeah, it's he's no, no he's different. no different than these corporate record labels and what they call the man. Yeah, of course. Like It's so disingenuous. It's so fucking disingenuous. You can't even compare... Like what you're doing to what they're doing, because you're doing the right way. You've got things copyrighted and the, your I's dotted and your T's crossed and you're doing it legal. These guys wrote contracts on the back of bar napkins. Okay. That, well, at the, at the time, they didn't have access to the information like uh, independent artist does now. You know, they didn't mm -hmm. know. You know, I didn't come into this knowing either, but. You hear all the echoes and eventually you start looking into it yourself and realize yeah. like, okay, I should copyright. I do need publishing. Like to legitimize yourself, you go through these motions or you yeah. meet a show night who's going to get you out of jail, put millions in front of you and put you in front of the whole world to see and just sign right here. No questions asked. Absolutely. To Let's, a young... uh, we're going to check out the, um, the chat room here. Here we go. Uh, Jimmy Thunder, Jimmy Thunder from down under. First of all, we look, Jimmy's our man in the, in uh, Australia, yes. New Zealand. Great guy. Um, they allegedly got the gun from Eric Zip Martin in Las Vegas, who was watching the fight according to Keefe D. Well, uh, uh, that's true, according to Keefe D. Problem was, Keefe D failed repeated lie detector tests. That was one problem. Suge also held Puffy accountable for the death of his friend Big Jake. This is also true. 
But remember something very simple. Money has no loyalty. That's the problem. Money yeah. has no loyalty. Yeah. Um, in recent times, Nipsey Hussle, absolutely. Uh, Quincy Jones' daughter, absolutely. All, what he's talking about, these are all people who have died in the last, since 1992. Rappers who have died for no fucking reason, no good reason, other than that they didn't play ball with one coast or the other. What if you're a rapper living in Chicago like, like Waze? Where's your loyalty? Your loyalty better be to your fucking self. Because you're the only guy that's going to pay for your bills. Nobody's going to pay your bills but you. Listen, life taught me that. The streets taught me that. This music business taught me that. Absolutely, and it's, un brother. it's unfortunate because some of my closest relationships suffer due to like this mindset being built in. I call it like street PTSD, like post-traumatic, a street mind mentality. Yeah. We have um, Iron Claw 30 says, I watched the video on dark symbolism you did and was blown away. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Claw. We, um, we actually have another uh, a continuing series mm -hmm. that we're going after we do our uh, uh, unsolved murders. We have a, a series we're going to continue about hiding. In, it's called Hiding in Plain Sight. Mm -hmm. We're going to continue to do more symbolism. We're going to explore the Illuminati. Mm -hmm. We're going to explore the committee of nine, uh, the committee of three hundred, uh, the Council of Nine. We're going to explore all of these upper echelon, um, high, high-powered, long-standing power brokers that run the world, and to see what you can do to break free of these power brokers. Believe it or not. There is something that you can do about it and something absolutely simple. It's so simple, it should be criminal. In fact, in some countries, it is. Luckily, in the United States, it is not. So, Amelia, I yes. think tonight was a, a very, very good show. What do you think? Oh, Beth? absolutely. It was a fantastic show. I get to Did see you my guys friend Mike. Yourself tonight? And Murph, I'm so sorry, Murph, that you had some technical issues, but at oh, least he's you got didn't a lose you. He's got a friend with them there. Who, who's your buddy? <laughs> oh, you got the oh, puppy. This, uh, this is my puppy. Uh, oh. Lily Beast. <laughs> that puppy's bigger than you. She wanted to make an appearance. <laughs> Beautiful. Like mine did the other day. <laughs> I love doggies. That That's why I call her Lily Beast. <laughs> and I could, I could testify to that I saw ways write his own music because i've seen him write his own music when uh, we worked together back at a, at well, a collection i want to promote ways right now i want to bring mm -hmm. you up here yeah. i'm going to put the big camera on your ways hold on there brother it's ways what's up it's ways world you can find <laughs> ways on spotify just go to spotify.com forward slash artist forward slash all these numbers or simply type in w-a-y-z and you will find our guest, Waze, also known in the real world as Michael Ortiz. Mm -hmm. That too. How do we say it? What? It's Waze World. Remember? Waze World. Waze yeah. World. 
That's yeah. one of the websites. It's Waze World. Mm-hmm. We used to yeah, tell them that Waze all the time. Mm-hmm. It Waze happens World. to be also one of my favorite movies happens to be Wayne's World. <laughs> right. And be, because it does something to the mind, I, it's mm-hmm. a perfect play on words for me. So that's why mm-hmm. I had to be the website. I had to be the tags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, well, I'll definitely. tell you what. We... um. We're going to, t- oh, in fact, I'll let Amelia do it. Amelia, tell everybody what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Well, we have tomorrow, actually Thursday, we have uh, Dr. Tobia. Tomorrow I'm off. I, ain't doing <laughs> I forgot. I wasn't having that show tomorrow. I forgot. See, it happens because we have that hurricane. They're going to give us a day off tomorrow. See, already. So we have Dr. Tobia coming on on Thursday. Yep. And Dr. Ellie, what's her last name since you get from Ellie Diani. I, Thank I, you. Poor girl. I screw her name up today. <laughs> he got it right today. No, and uh, we're going to be talking about cults, actually. We're going to start that again. Yeah, finally. we're going to start the psychology of cults. Yes. And a, and, uh, a good one, is, too. Uh, the uh, Amy Carlson, not to be confused with the actress, Amy Carlson from Blue Bloods, uh, Love Has One Cult. We're gonna, that's going to be part one, actually. We're going to start that as well. Oh, hold on. We got somebody up here. Oh. Deshaun B. Quincy Jones' <laughs> daughter killed Tupac. Whoa, that's a different now. Uh, let me ask you, Deshaun. Uh, I, I want to hold on a minute. I want we're not going anywhere yet. Oh, this okay. is the first I've heard about this. That's something new. Quincy Jones' daughter killed Tupac. Um, oh, wow, Deshaun, if you're still there with me. Can you please elaborate? Can you? Uh, I'm. I hate to put you on the spot. You know what that calls that's for. That's too good. You know, hold on, Amelia. That's too good to let go. Uh, I want to. I want to find out about that. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, I want to find out about that. So I'm going to wait for you, Deshaun. Um, take all your the time you need. We'll we'll sit here and and bullshit and talk. Wow. Um, so, Amelia, tell everybody what else is coming up. Yeah, and while we're waiting on that, on October 4th, we have the Manson cult. Also, as I was mentioning, Charles we Manson. We have that. And uh, the Koresh. I don't know if you, everybody remembers David Koresh. David Koresh, Waco, Waco Texas. Texas. We have that. The Branch Davidians. Uh-huh. On uh, October 6th. And then we have Jonestown coming up, another cult with yep. uh, on October 11th. And Jonestown, uh, Guyana. We have Heaven's Gate uh, yep. also coming up. That's a really interesting case. That one you said he was an actor. Was founded by two actors. And I, when I saw him, and I was like, I recognize that person. You said that was an actor. I said, Yep, that has to be an actor that I recognize. Yeah, that's Marshall Applegate. I, I don't know if you've name. heard of him, guys, but that is interesting. When I saw him, and I'm then, waiting for Deshaun. And um, Deshaun B. And then pop the, in here, brother. If you're around, please let me know. I got to find out what happened here. Yeah, and Quincy the, Jones' daughter, huh? And while we're waiting on that, we have an exciting a week after that because oh, you left something out, though. You left something out for next week. Uh, no, we next did. Wednesday, the Beatles. Oh, after oh, is it that week on the 12th or the 5th? Yeah, we're doing the uh, next week, we're doing. Um, Marianne Howard and uh, Ann Walsh are going to talk about their book. I was going to have you do that because you that's your favorite group is the Beatles. That was uh, your introduction. Yeah, well, I'll tell you right now. Hold on, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you exactly. It's going to be on October the 5th, next Wednesday. Your favorite group of all time. I love me some Beatles. Mm-hmm. 
but because I was so excited to get to the next week after that, the 18th and the 20th, because that's one of my favorites, because I've been wanting you to do this one for the longest time. It's to bring back the psychic realm. That's what I was getting to. We are doing the yes. psychic realm podcast. We're going to bring it back. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to be actually. But we're not bringing block. back wrestling with the future. No. I'm done with the no. wrestling. The, I'm done favorite. with them truck <laughs> cards in the wrestling business. Oh, I think he. Uh, you know, it's because I wanted you to bring it back. No, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> and uh, go ahead. I take exception. Mike Cullen and my Mike, my friend Mike Cullen from Alaska, heard Manson was another experiment by one of the three-letter agencies. Same thing with James. Um, that's not quite true, but I I know what you're talking about. Um, not true. Charles Manson was just a sick fuck. <laughs> Charles Manson was actually a talented songwriter. <laughs> what happened? What set him off the rail was that um brian jones i'm sorry not brian jones um brian wilson dennis wilson's brother was a friend of his and he told him he told charles manson he was going to give his music to his brother you know um to listen to to see if he can become a recording artist to kind of give give an opinion on it Mm -hmm. and he never did no he was going to give because there was carl wilson Mm-hmm. Brian Wilson, Dennis Wilson. Mm-hmm. So he gave this music. Mm-hmm. To, oh, well, I'll, I'll make sure that he looks at it. And mm-hmm. he never did. No. And that was the one thing that set Charles Manson off. And that set a, a series of events that took down a dozen people. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people got fucked over on that. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mike Cullen, how you doing, Mike? In Alaska. I haven't heard from you in a while. Deshaun Jones. I, I wish Deshaun would pop in here, but he's not. Um if Mike Cullen is still there. Yeah, let me and know what's was, going on. As I was mentioning before while we're waiting on Mike or Deshaun. Yeah. Uh well I'll tell you what, we're realm. gonna have to say um mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's already 8.30. We're going to yeah. have to say goodbye. All okay. right, well, listen, you guys. Um, let us um, let us say goodnight to each other. And uh, oh, here we, hold, on, oh. hold on. Good dropping a trailer. Good dropping a trailer. Dropping a trailer. Uh, what are you doing? You're dropping a trailer. He's getting off of work oh. like a trailer hitched to his truck. Oh, I thought I'm thinking. See, my mind works like trailer, <laughs> like a film trailer. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. Mike. I could be wrong. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Um, it's been a great show, a great yes. night. Um, for Michael Armageddon Murphy, for Michael Ortiz, aka Waze, you find him on Spotify. And for Amelia Pitbull Chapman, <laughs> I am Angelo, the mad dog Scipio. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.